Pastor Xavier Reese and a call we must heed. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine and they will turn their ears away from the truth. But you, be watchful. Do the work on evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. What are you going to do during this time? Are you going to do this? I sure hope so. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Pollution. It's a word that conjures up thoughts of trash, smog, and debris. But what about the detrimental effects of noise pollution? Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier takes us back to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel as he points out how important it is to take a moment and shut out the noise of the world and listen for the voice of God. Open your Bible to chapter 3 for today's study. Samuel has been prayed for to be born. He's born. He's been dedicated to the Lord at Shiloh. He's been raised at Shiloh under a corrupt environment. Now Samuel is called by God, and it's found right here. Let me read for us. Verse 1, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when the eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was laying down, that the Lord called Samuel and answered, Here I am. And so he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And then the Lord called yet again Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you call me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time. So he arose and he um, went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. And therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you may say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel, at which both ears of everyone whom hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end, for I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until the morning, and he opened the door of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. And then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here am I. And he said, what is the word of the Lord spoken to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more so if you hide anything from me at all of the things that he has said to you. And then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him, and he said, It is the Lord. 
Let him do what seemeth good to me. And so Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Bershia knew that Samuel had been established the prophet of the Lord. And then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. The call of Samuel is a threefold call. First, the call to salvation, verse 1 through 7. Second, the call to serve, verse 8 through 14. And thirdly, the call to be a prophet, verse 15 through 21. The call to salvation comes first. Now, notice the indicated responsibility of Samuel at Shiloh was to minister to the Lord Yahweh before Eli. Now, this does not indicate that Samuel was performing duties of a priest but rather was learning the service as an apprenticeship to the priesthood before Eli in the various duties and responsibilities, yet he did not know the Lord at this point in time personally. Maybe you've missed that before when you read Samuel. Chapter 2, verse 26, it says, And the child Samuel grew in stature and favor both with the Lord and men, but he didn't know the Lord. Very important. Now notice verse 4 through 7. The call to Samuel for salvation came by revelation. Verse 4 and 6, God called out to Samuel the first time. Now, notice the young man Samuel responded, and he said, he answered, Here am I. This marks the response of a servant. Samuel mistaken the one who called him. I mean, he thought Eli had called him. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. He was dismissed by Eli, notice, and heard Eli say, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and laid down. God called out to Samuel a second time in verse 6. The voice was distinct again. Then the Lord Yahweh called yet again Samuel. The young man Samuel responded again, being mistaken. So Samuel arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you called me. Again revealing his diligent service. Again, Eli dismissed Samuel. He answered, I did not call my son endearment. There's an affection here between the two. Even though Eli has been judged by God already, even though he has been really an enemy against God, there's there's a bond here. There's an affection. Lie down again, he says. Again, revealing a servant attitude. God gave two reasons for the call of Samuel. They're found in verse 7. Notice. First, his spiritual state is given. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He had not come to a personal relationship with God. Though he knew about God and was doing things of God, though God had allowed Samuel to be conceived and dedicated to him by Hannah, though God knew he would use him as a judge, as a priest and a prophet, he had to come into that personal relationship with God first. Now, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. He can learn nothing, so there's no problem. But there had to be a free will decision to accept Christ to come in. We talk about Christ in the New Testament sense, but the same in the Old Testament. That personal relationship, you understand? The call to salvation was personal and foundational, and so it is to you and to me. Notice, secondly, in the call, we have the call to serve. You're saved to serve. Simple. 
The Lord called Samuel again the third time here. Then he arose and he went to Eli and he says, Here I am, for you did call me. Samuel remains patient as a servant. Samuel knew this third time he had been called by someone. I know you did call me. He knew he was hearing a voice. Notice still in eight, Eli finally grasped the voice was of God. Eli gave the simple instruction. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Samuel obeyed the instruction. He went, he laid down in his place. Now, in verse 10, the Lord Yahweh appears to Samuel. Listen carefully. Look at the text. God was patient and personal. Now the Lord Yahweh came and stood and called as at other time, Samuel, Samuel. Now he says it twice. But also the word stood. It means to set or station oneself, implying that Samuel saw the Lord. If he didn't see the Lord, there would be no need to say he stood. Solomon saw the Lord. David saw the Lord. Samuel was perceptive and obedient, and Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. This is the response that's necessary. Now, 11 through 14, the God of Israel was the one who called Samuel to serve as a prophet now. First, revealing future things. Then the Lord Yahweh said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel. Literally, I am doing also revealing the response of the people, at which both ears of everyone will hear it, will tingle. God knows the people's response. He doesn't earn it. He doesn't have to wait for it to happen to know it. He's God. The Bible is clear that God calls every person in the church to service. I hope that's not news to you. The enabling comes through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, you will be in due with power from on high. The call to serve was as an individual. How about you? Are you serving? Whether it's here or wherever you go. Notice thirdly, the call to be a prophet. 15 through 18, the proclamation of the word of God was to not be, listen, compromised. In verse 15, the fear of man was the test for Samuel. Ooh, here's his first test. His first mission as a prophet. The fear of man was the test of Samuel. The setting is described. So Samuel laid down until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord Yahweh. The thoughts of Samuel are declared. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Wow, what do I do? God help you and me. If we fear man so much, we don't tell them they're going to hell, that they're lost. God help us if we fear man to keep our mouths shut when we see people perishing. You understand me? The fear of man was a test for Samuel. But notice, the fear of God caused Samuel to pass the test. Verse 16 through 18. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel was loving and he answered, here I am. And then Eli inquired of Samuel regarding the, guard, the words of the Lord Yahweh in verse 17. Eli wanted the truth. And he said, what is the word of the Lord Yahweh spoke to you? 
Please do not hide it from me. Notice Eli warned Samuel about lying to him by an imprecatory oath. This is what imprecatory, it means a prayer of judgment. David prayed in the Psalms, Lord, break their teeth in their mouth. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> but see, that's Old Testament. So Paul knows that, so he says, Lord, reward them according to their deed. Remember, Paul was a rabbi. <laughs> now listen, he warns them with an oath of imprecatory. Listen, God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he has said to you. Whoa. Samuel feared God. Samuel was faithful in the declaration of the revelation God gave to him. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Would to God that his number increased today and speak the word of God faithfully. You understand? Eli was honorable in the confirmation of the judgment of God that had revealed to him. And he said to him, It is the Lord Yahweh. Let him do what seemeth good to him. Remember, God has sent that man of God in uh, chapter 2 of 1 Samuel 27 on down to 36. He already knew it. This confirmation. So Samuel grew, and the Lord Yahweh was with him. Whoa, what a great statement. The proof was that by not omitting any of God's word, then and let none of his words fall to the ground. He was faithful to every bit that God gave to him. In other words, he was not only accurate giving evidence of divine revelation, not his own words, but he was faithful to proclaim it, reliable to speak forth, regardless of who it affected. Whoa, that's commitment. You understand? The acceptance was unanimous. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as the prophet of the Lord. Look at 21. Samuel and the people of God witnessed God's interaction with the priests once again. The presence of Yahweh abode in Shiloh. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. The place God spoke to Samuel, the place of God's government, the place of God's worship. There's a renewal. There's a refreshing. There's a revival. There is a transition taking place now. The, the sharp contrast cannot be missed between verse 1 and verse 21. The word of God was rare, not normal, but now God is speaking again. It's very evident here. The transition is on. Today, there is so much compromise regarding sin in the church, a violation of the word of God. Some are not speaking against sin because they fear people. And they're afraid that they will object and not come to church. So they have become politically correct. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is a way of death. Still others, because they are trusting in man's methods and strategies to grow the church. And if they spoke against sin, they would also lose financial support because they're on this machine of pleasing people. Listen to Jeremiah 30, 23, 1 and 2. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord Yahweh. Therefore, thus saith the Lord Yahweh, God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my flock. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord Yahweh. Do you think that's still applicable for today? 
You better believe it. But let me give you so you don't think it's just me. You've got Roger Oakland with his book, Faith Undone, catalogs everything. But let me give you from Eric Barger. Listen to this. There are books or videos by teachers such as Brian McLaren, Rob Bell, Doug Pageant, or Tony Jones being recommended or used in classes, home groups, or church services. These men begin with, by simply questioning the authority of the Bible and the orthodox nature of Christian doctrine and have now redefined what they call Christianity into a completely cultic yet loosely defined and identified religion. He says, it is a completely flawed concept to believe that postmoderns are somehow different than all generations before them, and that if we are to reach them, then we must change. Sin in the hearts of men is still the problem, and the cross is still the antidote. God has entrusted us with the only message that can cure the sickness of sin. You see, when they use postmodern and less dialogue, they think that it's different. We've got to do it culturally. No, we don't. Men are still sinners, and the only antidote is the gospel. Centering prayer and something called Lectio Divina, which is, in a nutshell, is leading evangelicals directly into the mystical and sometimes occultic basis, the practice of the Roman church through idolatry, tapping into demons, contemplating, emptying of your mind, bringing it to silence. Have you heard the term labyrinth? An unusual intricate maze to meditate in, which basis is Greek, Egypt, and Cretan mythology, and used in Tenric uh, Buddhism. Mystical contents that utilize a labyrinth will supposedly bring relaxed mental attitude at the end of the search for life's meaning. In reality, this, lo- this road leads to the New Age mysticism, even the occult, as does the popular emergent church practice of yoga. God help them. A few popular contemplative adherents are Henry Nauman, Thomas Merton, Leonard Sweet, Thomas Keaton, Richard Foster, Frank Viola, to mention a few, and I've mentioned them before. They have buzzwords, phrasing like missional Christianity, incarnational Christianity, conversational Christianity, relational Christianity, New Reformation, generous orthodoxy, and many other phrases that contradict the Bible and the nature of the church completely. They are irrational. That's what they are. They are deceivers. They have the teaching of the open source, open theism, or processed theology. Let me tell you what it is. Open theism teaches that God knows the past, lives in the present, but has no idea what the future holds. Now, they don't tell you that straight up. A God that doesn't know the future? Well, I know the present and the past. What do I need him if he doesn't know the future? Obviously, this destroys every prophetic passage of the Bible, including the blessed hope of the second coming, which, by the way, is a key thing about emergent people. They think you're wasting your time studying prophecy. Rick Warren says you're wasting your time studying prophecy. He embraces the emergent church. Simply speaking, the newest godless movement of the emergent church wants to replace Christianity. By denying the Bible as a word of God, inerrant and infallible, by saying there is no objective truth you can ever learn from the Bible, Eric Bargan again gives identifying marks. Listen very carefully to the contrast here. Experience, this is the emergent church, over reason. Spirituality, 
over doctrine and absolutes. Images over the words. Feeling over truth. Earthly justice over salvation. Social action over eternity. Wow. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 2. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds woe who feed my people, who have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil you are doing, saith the Lord. Listen to Paul. 1 Timothy 4, 2 down to 5. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears. And they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And by turning aside to fables, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What are you going to do during this time? Are you going to do this? I sure hope so. See, that you're a Christian is not when you come here on Sunday. It's what happens from Monday to Saturday. You understand out there? That proves you're a Christian. Not when you're sitting here or clothed and sane, but when you're out there. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will both save yourself and those who hear you. Titus 1.9, Holding fast the faithful words as has been taught, that he may be able to by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict or to give an answer to every man for the reason, the hope that lies in it with meekness and fear, 1 Peter 3.15. Are you able to defend your faith? Are you able to give answers to people? If not, you better roll up your sleeves and start studying. Let me leave you with one more. Jude 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning your common salvation, common salvation, only one, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, listen, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. We don't need a new reformation. The gospel is not lost. We have it. As Satan was tempting a person by suggestion, the person said to Satan, I don't believe in the devil or Satan. Satan says, it's okay. I don't believe in sin. Satan said, it's okay. I don't believe in evil. Satan said, it's okay. I don't believe in temptation. Satan said, it's okay. Satan grabbed him and led him off to hell. And he said, I don't believe in hell. He said, it's okay. (laughs) If it wasn't dealing with eternity, it would be funny. What are you doing about pulling people out of hell? Are you letting your light shine? Are you taking every opportunity in this great darkness in our nation? Are you cowering? under the pressure. The call of Samuel consisted of these threefold call. The call to salvation was personal and foundational. You're not born again. You need to be born again first. The call to serve was as an individual. This is what follows salvation. Service. The call to be a prophet was to declare God's word faithfully. And so... As you're born again, as you serve, it is the word that you declare faithfully. Nothing else. Great stuff. Let's be faithful. Pastor Xavier Reese, and following the call of God, 
and His Word. More foundational simple truths from our study series in the book of 1 Samuel. And you can hear this program again anytime online by way of the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And, of course, the entire unedited message is available, as always, on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is Samuel, Called by God. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is Samuel, Called by God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com